0: Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips.
1: We'll Summarizing in five minutes. Uh, so we were talking about the relationship landscape, and we talked about instead of looking at relationships as being whatever you're facing and in the moment, but being able to zoom out and see them um, from a a bigger timescale, from being able to see your whole life and being able to see how the specific situation that you're in at the moment um, is just a a speck in the biggest scheme of things so that you have a sense of perspective. Being able to visualize the landscape as if you were creating a film or as if you were creating a drawing so that you are able to visualize the emotional states so that you have more ability to look at and journey to where you want to go to whatever visualization that you're going to use is the way that your brain is is structuring the way it thinks. And so that um, visualization can tell you how you're looking at the situations of your current relationships status. So we, we looked at, um, someone had a series of mountains that they had to climb. Someone else was at the edge of a, a forest and they didn't know what was in the forest and someone else was confused and not knowing where they're going. Um, and so we looked at what our fears are then in, in um, the current, our current relationship state situation. Um, um, what barriers did we have to overcome? What was the steps? And what what do we do next? Um, so I think that was kind of it. But um, if, if I missed anything major out, jump in. Um, so, yeah, thank you for, for being here tonight. If If anyone's got a few minutes, want to talk about the meetings in general and feedback, um, stay on. Um, But otherwise, good night and thank you for being here. So tonight's topic is uh, the relationship landscape. So um, we'll get into that in a minute, but just uh, a few things I I wanted to to go over. Thank you to the people. I asked a few people for um, opinions um, and some feedback. so that was quite interesting. There's quite a lot to go through. Um, so possibly at the end of the session or perhaps another time we'll go through. Um, we'll go through some of those. Um, right for anyone new, um, if you can, um, if you can put your camera on, just so we can see you. If you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. Um, the so what what we do is we're going to have a discussion. We're going to uh, run through like some starter exercises. Uh, against some breakout rooms. Um, so in the breakout rooms, we have is more private discussion. Um, in the main room, uh, the conversation is recorded. Uh, we don't use the video, but we use the audio. So. Any meeting we've had, you can go back and listen in on. Um, what else? Uh, okay, so I think I covered most things. So, with the idea of relationship landscape, does that bring up anything for anyone? Is it, is it confusing, or does it? I've not heard of it
2: before. I was quite looking forward to learning what it's all about.
1: Okay. Oh, that's good. Because um, what I wanted to start with is really tapping into your imagination. And it might seem a bit weird, but um, I thought this might be, because it's something different. um, This is just the way I kind of envisaged it. And I think it might be useful for you. So before you have any preconceptions, um, it might be an idea just to go through this exercise to exercise your imagination. Um, So if you want to have your camera on, camera off, that's fine. Um, uh, So everyone's muted. So I'm just going to run through this. Um, And what we're really looking for is how do you envisage it? So I don't know if you have any pen and paper about, or access to it, Um, and you're not going to need it right now. But at the end, will it might be helpful for you to have it. Okay, is everyone sitting? If everyone sits somewhere where they're relaxed, where they feel comfortable. with as little background noise as they can. Okay. And if you just so what we're going to start with is, is a breathing exercise. So if you can breathe in through your nose for four and then breathe out through your mouth for eight. So you're breathing in for four and then breathing out for eight. And then if you see if you can just relax and if you focus on your breathing and keep that breathing pattern and then relaxing each time that you breathe. So, this and now next time when you breathe in, if you tense up all your muscles, so breathe in for four, Tense up and then breathe out for eight and relax. And then just relax more and more. So, if you can imagine all your stresses and worries and concerns, and if you imagine just putting them in a bag and just leaving them. and you just relax and then imagine that you can leave and zoom up out of your body so you've got a bird's eye perspective. And then above you, so above your home, above your city. So now if you can imagine your life in a line, and you can see where it begins. And you can see where it goes to. And pick out some of the milestones, the relationship milestones. And just imagine like they were a deck of cards. You could just picking out a few of the cards. So you're picking out a few of the incidents. And so you pick these up with you and just zoom away. And we're gonna to go to the land of relationships. And imagine that there's this land. And we talked about there being a quest. So the idea of a land is that there has to be a land that the quest is within. So looking back, looking down, what does this land look like? What can you see, what can you smell, what can you touch, what places are in it, where have you been to, where are you going to, and what's the journey that you have to make to get from where you are to where you want to be. So if you look, look around. Where are the different places? Where's the hazards? Where's the easier paths? And then when you're ready, zoom back about back above and then back down to now feel being back in your body and then open your eyes okay so for if you have pen and paper Draw out what came to you, what what was around, what is the relationship landscape? Like, if you're in a a bad place, where is it? If you're in a good place, where is it? And map out where all the different places that you could be within the relationship landscape, whether you're single, whether you're with someone. Where is... It's stressful. Where is it lonely? Where do you feel love? Where are you happy? And what are the obstacles? And so when you've got something and you feel ready, if you just put it in the chat box. I'm going to open up the breakout rooms so you can discuss it uh, in a small group. if you're still working on it, um, then just ignore the breakout room invitation. Um, if there's no one talking in the breakout room, if you just leave the breakout room, um, and I'll and come, you'll come back to the main room, and then I can reassign you to a different room. Uh, if there's a problem in the breakout rooms, there's a ask for help um, link. So. You'll get an invitation now. When the warning comes that um, last minute, if you stay in, you've still got a minute to finish your conversations and then it will automatically bring you back. And if you're still working on it, then just carry on, ignore the breakout room. Welcome back. Does anyone have anything to, to share about their landscape?
3: Uh, my landscape was mountains and uh, a path. No, not a path, a little spot on the ground because there is no path. Because, um, yeah, I don't... Well, well between the three the four of us, we decided that we are a little bit confused and a bit hesitant about going forward um, because probably because of past, past problems from previous relationships. And then, yeah, it's like a conflict between what you want and what you're willing to sort of try uh yeah that's that's certainly why what where what, what i am at the moment with my little my little spot in my, my mountains okay so you up in the mountain or no i'm at the bottom of a bunch of mountains
1: okay yeah so it's a big trek yeah okay thank you anyone else
4: I can dive in if nobody else wants to
1: come. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> what, what I'll just do is I'm just gonna mute everyone. if you can unmute yourself, Errol. and then whoever wants to talk, just unmute yourself, but um, so that we don't have background noise. Go on in Errol.
4: Okay, sorry. Um, so mine is a, mine is a forest, um, a bit of a thick forest, I suppose. Um, I'm on the I'm on the pathway um what's behind me where i left is was a was a bad place let's just say um i wouldn't say it was quite demonic or anything like that but it just wasn't a nice place um and and for a while it got really bad um but now i'm sort of i left that place and i'm moving to a place which i feel is going to be a lot better i can see some clearings up ahead but i don't really know whether they are the actual destination that i want to be at but the excitement for me is that at this i'm going to find out i'm going to get there but i'm also preparing myself that it may not be what i was looking for after all you know the 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 goal may not necessarily be in that clearing or it may not be in the other clearing Uh, so mentally i'm also prepared not to get too too disappointed if it isn't what i'm looking for uh, and to try and enjoy the journey that I've got there, I've seen it at least, and, you know, if along the way, um, I happen to see flowers, um, deers, you know, whatever, that, that's great, I've learned things, I've seen things, um, I've experienced things, so, to, to take the journey for what it is, um, also not to have a, a bit like Alice in Wonderland, I suppose, not to have a clock, uh, like the rabbit, um, so, time should not matter, um, obviously this is all metaphoric, right? For, <laughs> but, uh, um, so that, uh, there is no concept of time, it is just the journey, and just enjoy the journey as you go through it, and sample things, don't, don't just rush through, uh, and then miss that there was a nice bunch of flowers, there was, there's a deer there, I mean, there is a journey, to be had, of course, and you don't want to spend too long analyzing a particular uh, deer or something, but at the same time, um, you want to not miss things around you. So it's a bit of a balance for me, um, as I go through the journey. That's, That's the way I see it anyway. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, I can put it into plain English as well. You are muted, are you
2: just spending forever wandering around the forest without making it through the forest, though?
4: There is the potential, which is why I said it's a very good thing you picked up on that. Um, there's, and- there's,
2: light, there's light peeping through at the end of the forest. It's over that way. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, you, see, you can see. <laughs> no, um, I mean, I, I, and that's why I said not to spend too long uh, just analysing or over-analysing something and let life pass you by. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a it's a balancing act, um, so long as you feel comfortable with, you know, because it, it, life is such that you can change what you want. Um, so you may decide that actually this isn't what I want anymore. Actually, I want something else. And so long as you're comfortable and you will not look back on it with regret, that's the most important thing. So what I don't want to do is look back on my journey and regret that I didn't spend time or I spent too much time. Um, But at the same time, don't get too uh, scared to spend the time or not spend the time and get yourself paralyzed in that, you know, it's just do what feels natural, what feels right. Um, But keep your eye on where you want to go. Don't take your eye off where you want to go um, and analyze it. Is Is there still where I want to go? Do I still want to see that? Yes. Okay, then carry on. Because today I may look at certain things. Maybe I reach a clearing and I look at it and I go ah, uh, this type of clearings are a total waste of time. There's nothing here, it's total rubbish. And when I come back to the path, if I see a similar clearing, I'm not going to go and explore it perhaps. And, you know, just move on to something else.
1: Thank you. Um, has anyone else got a different um, landscape?
5: Um, when you are saying about going up in, um, out to your, out to your body type of thing. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen the manga cartoon Akira, and it's like a big neo Tokyo landscape, and that's kind of where where I went. And I was like looking like a big mad city, and I was looking down, and everything looked in significant but ins- insignificant at the same time, and I didn't really associate with the other people that were there Um, it was a bit weird and I I didn't know because you were talking about where do you want to go what direction do you want to be in and I was totally unsure about which which direction to go in and I think that was amplified by the fact that I was up in the air in this um, in this particular um, landscape So, yeah, from a visualization point of view, I mentioned it in the the breakout rooms that I took the exercise as being to look into your own life from an external point of view rather than one which we often do where we look with um, limited um, viewpoints. Um, So I think taking something positive from it. Using that image that I've got in my mind that I created when you were talking. I think that's a good way of stepping out of your situation and and trying to look at it from maybe a different perspective than what what you've currently got. That's the way I took it anyway.
1: It's also... um, When you look at fairy stories and even films now, they are the way that we... um, work out our fears are what we're dealing with so for example um dreams um, one of the ideas of of um, reasonings of uh hi christina um of dreams is that it's a way that we develop oh, social skills um and it's how we how we work out what like how we gain the skills that we need to deal with whatever we're facing. Um, so often when, there's, when we've got a, a challenge, um, we'll start having dreams that are maybe symbolic, but then we have to use those sort of skills. Um, and, and so when you look at like the fairy stories of, of old, all the creatures like the trolls and the demons and the wicked witches and the big bad wolf were all in the forest because that was the extent of where we knew. Um, now that we know all that, it's like the aliens are gonna come at us or it's artificial intelligence or something like that. So um, yeah, g- getting above is enables you to, to picture and dissociate so it's not so personal. And also that it's, it's when you're in a situation, it can seem overwhelming um because you're you're in it but when you put it in the like uh, over a lifespan it's less daunting it's less um it has less um impact like when you look over a whole life one incident doesn't have that that great um terror or that great impact so it's interesting that we've heard of um there's mountains to climb there's um, the unknown to be afraid of, or the or confusion about not knowing what direction to go in. So, looking in, the, in whatever way you envisaged it, and if anything came up for you like that, what does that mean? What does that mean for whatever you're facing in your relationship, and? So the idea of the relationship landscape is that there's a place we're all trying to get to. And when we're, there's certain behaviors, certain habits that are going to lead us to that place. And when we're not in that place, it's because we've we've done something else. And it's either we don't know, we don't have the skill to do, or we haven't done, or we don't have the confidence to do it. So the barrier to the relationship that you want to, to, to feeling how you want in a relationship is either knowledge, skill, or confidence. So when you look at your landscape, when you look at what came up in terms of imagination, what does that mean and how does that relate? Because what we do is we think in images. So like if you dream, you create this alternative world. And you create maybe someone else who does it. And we learn from films because other people are put in these situations. So whatever you envisage, whatever visualization you have and whatever you comes up is a way that you're making sense of your situation. So we'll go back to the breakout rooms. And uh, unless anyone's got any questions on that, comments before we go in.
6: Um, I've just got a quick question about what Errol said earlier on and um, it's just about how really do you prepare yourself or your brain to not be disappointed with anything that you set your mind to do because for me it's more I've got to have an expectation to be able to drive me to want to do or pursue anything so if you have expectations then you're bound to be disappointed or there's the potential to be disappointed if those expectations are not met so how do you get okay. your brain to to yeah. that point
4: okay good question um so i suppose and this is going to sound a little bit mystical i guess but initially I've I've got faith. Um, Or you can say I'm just too cocky and i got confidence in myself. I don't know. Um, So you can take which one you like. But I, I, and there is no rational reason why I believe that it will be okay. Um, I I can't explain it to you. That's why I'm saying faith. Um, That I don't think, well, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm going to die on my own in some lonely room and they'll find my body six weeks later, you know, because the neighbors complained about some smell. Um, I I don't think that will be me. Um, Why I believe it, I can explain it to you. But what I do know is that I've, I suppose through my life, I've gone through things, done things, and I don't necessarily mean things like this, but uh, other things. Um, And I've come over, overcome issues and that has in time given me confidence in myself that i know i can overcome things and as rob said overcoming things comes down to knowing what to do and having the intention to do it and you know um in, in having the intention to do it is basically kicking your own backside and just getting on with it not having the excuse of you know and i was telling sasha all oh, the time and all that and quite rightly you know, should put on the spot and said well you know, sort it, <laughs> get, get somebody, um, and make time, and that's what it comes down to. And the other thing is knowing what to do. You know, what do I do? And you know, groups like this, where you know, I got people like Rob who can kind of give you ideas to think about, books you can read and so on, or talk to other people here, yeah, kind of gives you the how to do. Obviously, at the end of the day, you have to make the decision. so how do I not get disappointed? I don't get disappointed because life, I don't expect perfection. So I don't expect to get it right straight away. And also I haven't given myself a time limit. So I don't have the pressure that I have to get, I have to find somebody within the next six months or a year or whatever it is. I don't have that expectation. If by attending this group, I make a friend or two, just even if I just made one good friend out of this group, um that you know we could be really getting along and i mean just a friend okay not romantic interest just a friend for me that's a win because i now have a friend a lifelong friend you know, I know we, we are we are good together and that, to me that, that's fun so it's not to say that i set my expectations lower or anything but i try not to have overdo my expectations because i think that sometimes you you aim for oh i'm going to find my prince or i'm going to find my uh princess and all the rest of it and uh it's all going to be great and and that vision of the future the destination is great great but it's so attractive that you can't wait to get there and then the journey becomes an obstacle and you're not enjoying the journey and so you're forcing it and then you potentially not get there because you're disappointed that you know are we there yet you know the kids in the back seat are we there yet and because you can't wait to get there because you put the time pressure on yourself. So I, 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 I expect to have failures and I'm not going to say to you that I will enjoy them um, but it is it is part of the journey. You have to accept that life isn't perfect. So by knowing that, if, uh, if things don't work out today, well, I, I knew that wasn't going to happen anyway. I just have this inner feeling that it will be okay at some point. Hopefully, before I'm ninety, but yeah, which <laughs> isn't too far away, by the way. But yeah.
1: Thank you. I I, I, I think, think when we, oh, sorry sorry gone Sandra.
7: Sorry, sorry, um, I think we also have to learn when to call it a day. We have to learn when, no matter what we do. Nothing is going to change. We have to learn to let go. Um, Otherwise, failure will defeat us because we are still hanging on and holding on and hoping that we can make it right, especially when it comes to relationships. I think that's very relevant. You have to know when it's when putting in extra effort is not going to change the end result. So therefore, it's best to just um, bite the bullet and resolve that issue and move on to the next. Use your energy better elsewhere. And some of, I think some of us are afraid of that um, more than some, that finality that comes with having to do that. And it may not necessarily be with a relationship. It could even be a course of study if it's not for you and it's not working for you you need to know this is not working and i am going to spend precious time on this and it's a lost cause
4: absolutely absolutely you looked at the particular tree you don't like it you move on
8: that's that's easier said than done isn't it because just on that piece there with with moving on there's all the added insecurity there's the vulnerability there's loneliness there's lack of confidence there's um you know there's time there's things that there's trying to fill time yeah you have so much time and so many things to do but you seem to lack the motivation to do any of them so i know for myself that i have masses of time i get up at like some ridiculous o'clock every morning and I'm, I'm in an apartment in an apartment block. And I'm the only person that's up at like, like six o'clock in the morning. And I've got two kettlebells. And I go downstairs religiously and force myself to exercise in the doorway because that's the only place there's a mirror where I can swing these kettlebells. I can see myself. And then I open the door. And the other day, the bin men were there. And even the bin men were saying hello. So, you know, it's, it's trying to master... It's trying to master that in your own brain to do something. And your point, Sandra, about moving on is a really good one. Um, To hang on to that bit that you might do something, might change it, I think is a fallacy. But when you try and experience that new stuff, it can be a release. But to fill the whole time, day after day after day after day, is really difficult. In your own mind, as well as in your own body. So I now, you know, this morning I went, out for a, I went out for a walk. I said hello to the butcher. I went to the coffee shop, which is actually closed. I waited for the coffee shop to open. They're like, I'm the first guy there. You know, every day I go to the same coffee shop and, and sometimes I don't even have coffee. I don't even like coffee. I go into the coffee shop and I, I ask them for my hot water, which keeps me going as I walk around. You know, it's a, it's a real challenge, you know, the. The relationship landscape is it's complex complex in the environment but i think the majority of the complexity is in your mind if you can unravel if you can unravel the complexity in your mind and simplify it in your mind you, you know the landscape actually f- kind of fits together like a jigsaw
2: no. I think it's more of an emotional thing than a mind thing because you can spend forever trying to sort of mentally get yourself in the right space but if your heart's not with your mind you're not going to get anywhere. I think it's more sort of getting your heart in the right space and sometimes it's fear of connection or you know it's a job of the heart and not the mind.
8: So that, Sasha that's a really good point so how do you how does I mean to everybody How do you connect? You're right. If there's a disconnect between what your brain is saying is the right thing to do, I move on and your heart saying, well, actually, no, just hang on a bit. Something might change. How do you make that reconnection? It's almost like you need to rewire, don't you? You know, it's like, you know, know, how do you, how do you get the two ends? It's almost like two ends. You have to
2: listen to your heart. You have to stay still and quietly listen to what your heart's got to say, not your mind all the time. And then you'll recognize what your heart's got to say.
0: Yeah. The problem with that is, though, that that's actually against what, what Sandra said, I think, in some respects, where it can be. Because that that moving on, when, when you've got to know... It's like gambling, isn't it, I suppose? if you keep, no, I'm, not, I'm
2: not saying to stay in a situation. I'm saying even if that means to move on from a situation, mm. it's, I'm, it's about listening to what your heart's got to say as well.
0: For me, though, in my situation, I'm probably approaching the time where my mind has decided I should move on. My mind is desperately trying to pull my heart, with it. my heart still doesn't want to go. It's like Donald Trump, like in the White House. So you've you know, got to be
2: kind to your heart. Yeah. And, well, and,
0: yeah, and, but, that, but that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm a person generally who runs with my heart, and that head versus heart, because you have your instinct as well, don't you? And your instinct sometimes is runs between them, and it isn't always the most sensible thing in the world. But, but it can, you know, your instinct can have emotional stuff in there as well. I think.
2: I hear what you're saying. Your your heart's calling the shots more than your head's calling the shots.
0: Yeah, and and on different days, one is winning and the other one's not. It it flip flops as well, doesn't it?
2: Some days you think,
0: right, you know, today it's gonna it's gonna be. I'm gonna move on, and then the next. I think that's
2: that's you know equally as hard in a different respect. Yeah. Um, How, how do you reconcile, Sasha? How do you reconcile your heart and your head? Just by personally, it's my. I'm more in the situation that you're in, is where my heart runs the sh- my head runs the show, um, and I literally just have to listen to my heart sometimes and just step back and really be still and quiet and see what comes from my heart and not my head, and then I start realizing things that I didn't see before, and start recognizing fears and um also pains that are there that i can heal and feel a bit more com- comfortable and confident to move forward and to lean in rather than away
5: sashi what do you mean oh, by my... you
2: know,
8: sorry. sorry i missed that somebody said something to sasha
5: yeah sorry <laughs> um, i was just asking sasha what do you mean by your heart
2: yeah they, they discovered neurons in the heart as well as the brain um, so that we've always believed that the brain has got is the neurons that send messages to all around your body and they've now discovered neurons in the heart and that the heart's actually interacting with the brain and sending messages to the brain and other things so the heart has its own intelligence just like the brain does and it's about discovering that intelligence in the heart as well because I, I don't know if that really answers no the, yeah i think you're, you're asking, talking
5: about, from a physical point of view i mean what do you mean from from like, do you when you say the heart, are you talking, using that term to describe your emotions and are you using the head to de, de, define your cognitive thoughts? How, how how do you, how are you like meaning it with what your description is
2: Yeah, more so that the, the emotions are coming from the heart, the fear is more in the heart than it is the head. Um, and not just fear you know a lot, I, th- I guess that that's yeah it's the emotions sometimes that are coming from the heart. Sasha after the, I've heard uh, what you described about the heart there being said about the gut that there are neurons in the gut and that the gut um, you know yeah, speaks, the gut as well. works yeah. with the brain
4: yeah, yeah
2: but what I was going to ask you um, how do you distinguish between what's coming from your heart and what's coming from your head? And that's why I think it's important just to have sort of quiet time sometimes to just try and switch the mind off and let the heart lead and hear what the heart's got to say. It kind of just surfaces on its own and you can kind of feel it coming up from the heart rather than from the mind.
8: I I find that really difficult. As soon as I try and do that, my brain starts going a thousand miles an hour. Yeah,
2: it's not, it's not easy. Like you have to be feeling pretty safe and stuff as well to do it. If you're really stressed out, it's like impossible.
8: Yeah. And that's probably what it is for me at the moment. You know,
2: I I, I have heard that um, decisions that come from the gut are better than decisions that come from the head. And I have said several times, trying to distinguish what's coming from my head, you know, you know, between what's coming from my head and what's coming from my gut, and it's, it's, I find it difficult. So, yeah, well, it's, it's that saying that you know you've got to trust your gut, and I, I, personally don't know how true that is. Um, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. You want to be able to trust your gut and, and distinguish what you got and what you had.
8: Rob, how do, you, how, do you, how do you silence the mind? What techniques? Well, I, I think to silence the
1: mind is really difficult. Um, I think Sandra and Sasha are a little bit closer than they, than they realise, but um, it isn't one or, or, um, or the other because you're, ultimately you're going to do based on what you feel. Um, we we always go with what what we feel. When you look at the the structure of the brain, if you use the the triune brain theory, that we have a reptilian brain, we have a limbic brain, and we have a cerebral cortex. We think from the cerebral cortex. But if you look at anything that you've bought, you bought it because emotionally you wanted it. And once you emotionally want something, you'll make any story that will fear. Now, if the feeling is fear, The mind will just um, run like a a hamster on a a wheel, um, because it will just run in any direction. So, um, how do you coin the mind? Well, you know, this is like what Buddhist monks take 20 years to do. Um, I think, first of all, you need to you need to make like a manageable goal. I think one of the the, the most powerful things to do is physicalize. Um, so if you're in pain, I think physicalize the pain. So for exercise. I think um, I think that's a great um, way of of then becoming in control of it. So then I think I think what um, I think emotionally. We often stay in situations because we're afraid. And so um, what Sandra's saying is um, don't stay in the situation just from fear. Um, you have to look at the logic. Um, and so the um, if you can separate the logic from the emotion. And um, I think what, what Sasha's talking to is the fact that we overthink um, and we can think ourselves in any, um, in, in round and round in circles. And so people go into therapy um, and they can spend 10, 20 years because they try to unravel something that they're never going to unravel because you can always make up um, find some new cause for for, for a problem and, and think that you're always nearly there okay so let's bring it back to the specific situation right how can you quiet your mind so what's stopping your mind from being quiet
8: is that is that me Rob? yeah, yeah. Uh, what's stopping it you, you, you've hit the nail on the head a couple of times there actually um Fear, hmm. uh, confidence, okay. Um, vulnerability, uh, loss. You know, so that's what I think. I think the biggest one is fear. I think at the moment, just fear of everything. It's like you know, I, just, I think all emotion
1: stems from fear, yeah. Um, everything less than happy is some fear and and the extent of fear determines the the exact emotion. So for a lot of people when they're stuck, it's because they don't want to look at the fear. Um, So when you can accept the fear, because what happens is you, you get that fear and it goes into a panic. And then once you're in that state, and, and, it, and it's, it's a combination of feeling and thinking. Um, and so I think where Errol talked about faith, and this isn't a religious faith, but it's a faith that ultimately things will work out. And so it's being able to, like that kind of out of body experience is to, because when you're out of the body, how can you have fear?
2: Well, isn't that just dissociation, though?
1: Yes, um, but um, and the way that you dis you, so it's disassociating from what you feel, so that you can look more objectively.
2: I mean, I do that a lot, like to reparent myself, dissociate and pretend I'm my own parent, and what would I want for my child to be able to guide myself in the right direction, or. Surely that's not healthy to dissociate to to deal with things. Is that not more of a coping strategy than an actual like? Um, I don't know. It's it's
1: not to Sorry. not to deal with not to deal with the whole situation, but it's to be able to look without terror.
5: Do you mean um, more unattached rather than disassociated?
1: Um Yeah. Uh, yeah i mean basically so that you can look at the situation in it from a calmer perspective
5: if you, if you don't atta- if you're disassociated then you don't really care you're not you're not bothered I um right to say that if you're completely disassociated
1: uh yeah i mean from, from that perspective uh, the, the the point of view is of being so high is that you, you aren't feeling it in the moment and yeah it's probably more unattached you still aren't going gonna to necessarily feel what you feel because you, you're, you have this to some extent, but it's, it's mainly about being unattached to the outcome. So um, that releases like the terror. And so then you can look. So it's not that you deal with it completely like that because you're going to come back, but it's so
4: that it gives you breathing space. Um, well, you're not trying to say I'm high on drugs or something, are you? <laughs> so, yeah. sorry huh? uh, i said you're not trying to say i am high on <laughs> drugs or something are you <laughs> um, no uh, i wouldn't say that i um, I, I think i, I mean are we, are we talking about more about to some degree meditation here and also knowing yourself and knowing your own limitations
1: it's it's about working working with your brain and um so what you want to look at is how do you wind yourself up how do you create that terror um, and so, being able to dissociate or unattach is a way of escaping all of that for a moment.
4: Okay, not letting fear seize control.
1: Yeah, and so what you can then do is—is is when you're when you're at sort of like in an out-of-body experience, you can see put it in more perspective. This moment in time is is, is tiny in the whole lifespan. But when you're running right down in it, consumed by it, it feels like everything. So fear is is about the way that you've envisaged it. So if you can have that more distance, um, it gives you a little bit more calmness. Does that make any sense, Mohammed?
0: For me, as someone who, who has suffered with, with anxiety over the years, and I know that mindfulness, a lot of people talk about it like, like it's the be all and end all of everything. But when you're going into those sort of cycles that, you're, that Rob is talking about, where, where you just, you're just you just obsessing about things and it goes in a big circle and you can't escape it. I think my, mindfulness did help me. Particularly, there's a technique called feathering, which is where you're... Because a lot of mindfulness really is just about breathing. Kind of similar to what we were doing at the beginning. But it's just about breathing and focusing on different changing your focus but you're very much focusing on the moment I think and it's about the brain is you know the brain is a, a sort of you have to train the brain I think if you're if you're trying to, to control it and that that's what I've had to do I've had to train my brain to stop trying to go into those cycles because I can panic you know sometimes like, because because the the, mind, the the mindfulness does work on some part of your system. i can't remember the name of it. Maybe it is the limbic or something, but it's one that we don't always focus on a lot. So it it's kind of in direct response to the reptilian brain, which is the adrenaline. Because obviously, if, if and the, the way they sort of say it to you is that obviously adrenaline is designed for f- flight, fright or fight, isn't it? So so you, basically you get a big dose of hormone which readies your muscles with lots of sugar for this sort of response you're gonna do so that you're either going to fight off your adapter or go away. and And obviously if that cause of a lot of stress, that doesn't come. The actual physical using of the of the sugar doesn't come. So you just end up still without those hormones and all that sugar like prepared for action. and And the actual what mindfulness does is it works on the the pathway that opposes the adrenaline. So it, it teaches you to basically cope. And like CBT as well can be quite good for those sorts of things if it's a bit more of a long-term thing as well, really, basically. Which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which again is about learning techniques that stop you, that change your response to things, I suppose, in a way that can stop you. So it puts you in control of your brain Rather than your brain being in control of you, I suppose would be the best way to say.
7: One of the things that I've come to recognize with myself is, um, it's easy for me to amplify things, and I've had to learn to, and I suppose that's where the the brain has to work a lot to compare what this fair is with something else, to put it in perspective, to say it is not that bad, because I tend to internalize things and I, it's, I will wake up and, oh my goodness gracious, oh, it's the biggest thing in the world. And I've got to go through and figure out, no, it's not. And it's it doesn't work if somebody say, says to me, um, it's not a big deal because in my head, I think it's a big deal. I've reached that point, it's a big deal. You can't tell me it's not a big deal. So I've had to find ways to come to the realization that it's really not as bad as I am making it out to be in my head. And I find that if I can do that, then I can deal with that particular issue. Does that make sense?
9: Mm, yeah, totally. Um, I think the, um, the thing of inflating uh, a certain moment in time of our life or something um, like that is, uh, is very much a thing of the heart um, so, the question of, I think, Alan, um, was that, how do you identify what the heart says? Um, I, I found that, that um, my heart always, uh, um, it's like gripping the situation, and it's like, It's so, it's kind of childish in a way. It's kind of the child in this whole system. And the mind usually for me is more the parent. Um, And um, it's like to identify the heart. Well, what happens is that sometimes when I'm contracted into a feeling of this is really important this is going to change my life or this I have to do this Um, because of the training with mindfulness I can go back to a feeling just by um, the literally the habit of the brain of being always in the space of peace um sort of allows me to put the heart back in the space of peace and when the heart is back in the space of peace then the mind can think more clearly more as a parent more responsibly and so when that happens in a short um sequence after i have been in the moment of the heart where where it's saying damn this is really important i have to uh things are at stakes and when shortly after that i go back to feeling at peace um, because of the training of mindfulness that i've done uh, i can see the i can make my heart and my brain and uh, my heart and my mind or whatever um, communicate because that contrast shows that oh <laughs> My existential uh, feeling can change so much in so little time, so it it's clear that there are at least two different parts within me that are trying to interface all the time. And sometimes I'm more identified in one, some other times I'm more identified in the other, and uh, they kind of flow seamlessly into each other. I don't quite realize what I'm when I'm more um engaged with one or the other. Um, but when when that contrast happens so sharply, then it's very clear that there are two parts in me. And then that there is also something higher than those two parts because as those two parts um always grab my identity and my you know yeah my I <laughs> then um, um, they can, they are not clearly fundamental. The eye is still something bigger than that. And so the way that, um, I can't remember the name um, of the guy who said, uh, you got to train your mind uh, or train your brain for, for achieving your goals or something. The guy who who was waking up early and saying hi to the binman. Um, Like, it was, I think, that's the kind of trying to enter to the higher state. That's how I understand it. And getting a good control of all these things. I think it, uh, it allows you to live engaged with your life, not live over dramatized in your life, have the ability to not be caught up in human drama all the time. And at the same time, from this higher place of being, enjoy uh, the liveliness of this dynamic that you've got inside and also carry through carry it forward into a direction have a direction and, and feel
1: like you are an agent you know, in this world thank, thank you for that eddie it, it's uh, how i kind of in, envisage it is um you center yourself around how you want to feel and when you feel off what's in your thinking what's in your fears and how do you come back to to that um so it's about for me, the, the relationship landscape is about where you want to be is in the uh, um, you feel. Because <clears throat> ultimately, relationships are all about how you feel. Um, we don't typically look at them in that way. It's like people stress themselves to make a relationship work. The whole point of a relationship is it enhances your life it enhances their life and if it doesn't do that then the relationship isn't going to work and so ultimately we are in relationships to feel better um and so that's that's really the way that we can navigate our, ourselves through okay so we'll just go into breakout rooms uh for looking at your fears and barriers. Um, and then we'll come back uh, just to round up. OK, um, so you get a link um, to talk about. Um, and it's really what, what fears, what barriers are you facing? What's your obstacle at the moment? Um, how are you, Christina?
10: I'm well, um, and you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Right, I'll just catch up. Um, catch up. So basically, we're talking about the relationship landscape. And what we did in the beginning was an exercise to um, envisage how you saw relationships. So it was kind of like out of body. What's happened? Where are you going? What's the landscape around? And people drew some sort of visual, visualisation. So we had some people that face themselves at the bottom of a pile of mountains. Um, someone else was feeling lost.
6: Sorry, Rob. Sorry to interrupt. Should I have got a breakout request?
1: Uh, you should, but you, you, you dropped out of the meeting, didn't you? So um, it's probably yeah, I got cut off. Yeah. Um, so it's probably cut you off. So I'm going to join you. I'm, I'm going to join you back. I'm just going to I just um, for anyone else who's new. I'll just wrap up.
4: Um,
1: So, so basically, what we're looking at now is how did you, how did people visualise that, and how do they visualise the problems, the fears, and the barriers to them getting to where they wanted to be? Um, So, what I'll do now is I'll add you into the breakout rooms. Um, Okay. So, Betty, can you remember which breakout room you're in, or do you want, are you not?
6: No, I don't know.
1: Okay um okay i'm gonna break in you know, into there safer so into ah okay so i will just send you a link to the breakout room i'm not sure if you heard that explanation of what what we what we've been up to the last um, bit yeah so 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 really we're just talking about fears and barriers to that you feel you're facing and obstacles so if you if you click the link, you'll go to a small breakout room with a couple of other people. Mohammed, did you feel that you got an answer to, or do you feel that you have got something that you can use? I think so. Yes. Okay. Christina.
10: Sorry, oh. there was a Chris in there, but no one spoke. <laughs> no, that's where I
0: was. Okay, so so where you you- <laughs> it you. I was there originally, but I came back because.
10: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. of these audios I
10: was you. talking for a while. Oh so my God! Yeah. What's wrong with my machine? But
0: <laughs>
1: um, do you want to just stay in? in... Yeah.
10: Yeah. Okay, it's
1: um, okay. Do you want me to pause the recording? Or, or is it?
10: No,
0: it's fine. Is it, uh,
1: the, the, this is the main room, so it's recording. You're no, right. No,
0: okay. no, this week, isn't it? Anyway, really. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um okay, uh, if, if you carry on chatting,' I'm, I'm gonna uh, zip into a couple of the breakout rooms, make sure they're okay. Um, someone's got someone to talk to. Um, so if you want to have a chat, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll be back in. Okay.
3: So yeah. what is the breakout room? What do I do for the breakout room, please? this is Andy speaking. Okay, Andy. Um, let me see. Uh, you should have got a link, but
1: if you want, um, you just you can just stay here. The only thing I'm going to say is that is that the main room is recorded, so this is recorded. If that's okay with you. Cool. Okay, so you got Pete and Christina. Hello, Christina. Hi, Christina. Hi, Andy. I'll be back in a minute. I'm just going to go and check on everyone.
3: Go for a wonder.
10: <laughs>
3: it takes so long. <laughs> that's your wonder. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, where where are you two people? Where are you based?
10: I'm actually in um, Canary Wharf. Oh
3: well. okay. Well, London. In-
10: London, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. In Tower. Oh <laughs> no, at home. <laughs> Tower. No, no, I'm at home, but in close yeah. to, in the wharf, yeah. <laughs> I'm literally a couple or ten minutes what away walking. Yeah, posh nosh. Sorry, Andy? I
3: said posh-nosh, sorry.
10: Oh, no, no, not posh, trust me.
0: <laughs> uh, you don't have to walk too <laughs> far from Canary Wharf if we can find some quite dodgy places, I think, really. But.
10: Yeah, the docks do have, especially the Isle of Dog. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Pepper, okay. my personal favourite. Right, so what are people's obstacles, then? What do people have as their obstacles? Rob oh, keeps, keeps, keep, keeps passing through. Do you, do you come back in here every time you're flipping between ribs?
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it takes me ages to go between and I have to come back to the main room and
2: then I have to go you're back to room.
10: You're not testing the water, Rob, yeah. are you? Yeah. Which one's better? Which one's more interesting?
0: Yeah. It's not jumping out,
10: isn't it? <laughs> he hiding,
0: he's the host, he keeps hiding behind things and then jumping out. <laughs> you keep doing that, like... <laughs>
7: I'll
1: be back in a couple of minutes.
3: <laughs> <All right. laughs> what are your um, obstacles? The, the question is: What obstacles do we have in our relationships with people?
0: Yeah, it's in this story, isn't it? So, so what are yours, Andrew? Go on. What did you What did you have in your little story or whatever or your uh, film thing? Sorry,
3: I, I missed. That. I missed the whole start. I I only got to the last like. 15 minutes that I've been here so about it. Like, right. yeah, just
0: after half past we're talking about a love landscape so the, the theme this week is that you that we all have a love landscape and we're trying to look into what's that so we were looking at what what our positive love la- landscape would look like what our negative love love la- relationship landscape would look like and then obviously what the um what the obstacles are which is what we're on at the moment or how they're visualised so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of thinking about it as being a bit like a film. So if I was making a film about my relationship, probably a little bit of a cheapening of Rob's idea. But like, okay. what would be in the storyboard? But unfortunately for me, my obstacle is myself. So in my little fantasy film or whatever, where I'm walking around, I actually face myself, basically, which is a bit scary. Because I don't know what happens if I kill myself. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit like Kral or something, I suppose, Basically, but there's an evil me and a good me, basically, but, but that's my obstacle, I think.
3: Okay. And Christine, what's your obstacle? Sorry. I was just
10: thinking while um, Peter's talking, um, probably, could I speak from experience or do I need... I can. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah.
10: I just found, um, it's probably not answering the question, but I just feel when you go into when you get to know someone, so whether it's a friendship or a relationship, I just feel this is how I feel at the moment. I just feel it's very draining because, especially in London, um, I say that because you know people don't have time, you know, um, or it just drags on, which can be really, really tiring and. I just feel that is a very big obstacle for me because tra- sometimes trying to get through that barrier, it can take on months and months. But then you come across people where it can happen within like weeks, which is also t- way too fast. So, you know, it just depends who it is and it depends how you're feeling at that moment because sometimes you're probably more a loving person. Sometimes, other times you feel like you're really not bothered, but you're in it. You know, so it's, it's just, I just think it is quite just, draining getting into relationships in general i think um and probably that's why i'm really not interested at the moment because i just feel it takes up all my time you know getting to know someone and you know the same applies to making new friends it's the same thing you know people will take down your number for example uh, let's meet and you never do and if you do it's like once what every three four months and then you're like back again i'm like sorry who are you again sorry who where did i meet this person and i'm sitting with Hundreds of telephone numbers on my mobile, so I just find that's a big obstacle getting to know someone whether you know, a, you know, friendship or not. So
0: I think that's definitely London, a very good description of London life, isn't it? I think I've got quite a lot of people in my phone or numbers I've picked up that li- where I've literally even forgotten what the name of the person was and was too embarrassed to ask. So it will literally just be like bloke yeah. like from the Mother Red with the mandolin or something. It will be basically. <laughs> It's so, yeah.
10: true. So, so, you say it's a London thing, it's not a well, I would I say, it's think,
0: yeah, I think you might find a better quality in London, but in London, in London is with quite a lot of things, there's a focus on quantity sometimes rather than quality, I think, really.
3: Really, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think this is maybe a five year ago thing, and we always had the excuses that, like when you see people talking to strangers, oh, you're new to London. That's the first thing you said, you're new to London. Why Why do you say that? Oh, because you, you're talking to somebody. Like, if you're in London, like you're on your headphones, you're reading a book, you're mm. on your phone. But I think people are changing because I, personally, I'm seeing a lot more lonely people out here, I think, who are wishing... I'm, I'm based in London and I've seen more people like I've, I'm forever talking to strangers mm. but with no end game I mm. think that's what my you know that's what my landscape would be that like
0: I definitely you know I, I used to go into pubs on my own in my 20s and even my 30s and I'd be on okay. my own I'd just start talking to people and, and and I wouldn't take anyone's number but you know we'd have a nice chat and and if they didn't want to speak to me then I'd just move on but generally because I'm from I'm not from London I'm from Devon, so but and but I think the I think when you get into your 40s like I am now mid 40s I think people are a little bit more so I actually find that it's got worse and maybe that's my age basically. okay like, like maybe as a 20 year old when you approach someone it's a bit easier when maybe when you're in your mid 40s maybe people are a bit more I don't like the look of this or whatever. Or they think you're a creep or they think you've got an agenda, mostly, I suppose.
3: Yeah, lucky I'm the same yeah. age as you, but like... Um,
0: In London, I think people just... It's the fear thing. People always think you're trying to square them over, I think, mostly. But, but, but uh, them, you can't have spontaneous moments with people.
10: Um, you come from Devon, so does that mean Devon is better?
0: Oh. Yeah, a lot better. I, I just find anywhere outside London is just a lot more friendly. I mean, I, and I mean, I've been living here since 1994. And I'm not saying you can't meet friends in London because you can. I'm not, you know, there, there are pubs I could go to. Well, if they're right but you know, there, I know there are pubs I could go where I could get on with people and you know like, make friends. Basically.
10: I just feel it's maintaining that friendship as well, that which is another obstacle as well, maintaining yeah, yeah. it. So even if you see the same person in the same group for three months, it's it's quite yeah. difficult. Just like. I think I can't remember the other guy's name. He said, you know, if he makes one friend in this group, that will be nice. It'll be a life friend, yeah. you know, but that's just the downfall about um, meeting people here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, what, what, is it the pressure that, that you don't like, or is it just that you just, you just don't feel you can spend the time?
10: Oh, the, I love London. I love London. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: in terms of making like why, the, why friendships or, you, you know, or the relationships don't sort of go on.
10: I think it's more, uh, I'm talking about more fr- uh, friendships, not relationships, but friendships. Um, you tend to, you know, I've got my activities and you tend to see the same people and we click. But I think people don't have time. Either people have friends, their own friends, their own, you know, their own close friends. Or well, they've got families already because of my age as well. Um, but it's like, they'll ask you for your number and they'll all be happy. And, you know, you ask them, do you want to go for a drink? Or do you want to go for a coffee? You know, well, not I can't now try and explain. So there's always like there seems to be always excuses, even though you do the same activities and you see the same people week after week. So that's just the challenge. But then again, it's it's a big city, isn't it? Nothing any big city is like this. So I don't think it's just London in particular. Well,
0: I think Manchester's friendly. I think Manchester and Birmingham, which are the two the two next popular cities, that they they've definitely got a friendly vibe yeah I lived in Birmingham <laughs> as well and I, and I don't just mean like the pub nutter or whatever you know like yeah. people will actually come and duck to you I, see, I mean I went to Southampton the other week and, and literally it, it struck me and maybe this is just me because I'm because I'm leaving London but I was at a sort of parking thing and, and trying to work in a car park trying to work out how to operate it in London obviously there was obviously a woman came in sort of a bit older than me and was sort of doing her stuff and she actually turned around and said you know do you want me to help you use the machine in London they probably think I was trying to like you <clears> know like steal their money or whatever you know so
10: yeah yeah I,
7: know I was I just
0: quite struck right like the first two or three people I met just were a lot more chatty more open I suppose it's just one of those things that you know just the amount of people I suppose you know
10: yeah, I suppose this, yeah, you know, we all, and I think people scattered, so, I mean, London's huge, and people don't have time to commute for an hour, an hour and a half, because we don't all live in the same area, so that could also be part of it, but I think, yeah. I think it's very much become very much a quantity, like you say, in
0: friendship. Yeah, I think London people are just miserable. I mean, I, I mean that's why I'm doing.
10: <laughs> I'm not. Trust me, I'm not. Even
0: though
10: <laughs> I do tell, you know, I'm very outgoing and I'm, you know, very friendly. And I just, I love making friends and I'll chat mm-hmm. to her ever. And I think that people actually get scared when I talk to them. They'll say, oh God, what is she after? But then again, it's just my nature, you know, coming from South Africa. We just are very, mm-hmm. and I'm actually got Portuguese, South African, so I'm quite... You know, we just like chat to everybody. We're sitting in the queue. I always make conversations. Everyone says, "Please don't talk to them," because I know you're going to talk. We need to, because I'll end up talking to everyone. And sometimes friends even say, "We need to go. We need to go." I'm like just chatting away. But I think it's that's that's the biggest obstacle is making um, new friends in London. Mm.
3: Sorry, Christina. um, Pete is forty, which is about my age. How old are you yourself?
10: I don't mind sharing. <laughs> um I'm gonna be fifty in in less than six months.
3: Fifty.
10: Yeah. I know I know everyone that's another story. You get all the 30s and 40 friends. and oh I get the 65s and 70 friends, which I've got as well. So but again, <laughs> I'll be I'll be fifty soon.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think um London is Um, There's so much stress because there's so much money um, that it's more pressurized, Um, but it's really um, uh, listening in from what you were saying. And I think it's, it's really about connection. Um, And it's about you, you, you had a good connection, but then when life is going on and there's all that kind of pressure of other things, it's the barrier. If if you were someone that they'd seen a, a few times, it's easy, um, but then it's like it, it plays on people's insecurities and fears, um, and so it's really about how can you make a connection that makes it simpler and easier.
10: And um, sustainable, to be honest.
1: Yeah. So so <laughs> rather than meet up for a drink, what's the next? What's the easiest thing? Um, is it a friend you're on Facebook um, or? um something that so that you have a little interaction and comment um be in between and that's you you, that's i think the way that you then build a friendship if that makes any sense yeah
10: yeah it does
1: but i think people sorry i was just gonna say i i I was thinking when when andy asked your age i was thinking um late 30s so
3: yeah, I wish. clearly would have climbed that high <laughs> yes, uh,
10: Sorry, Andy?
3: I said you look good
10: Oh yeah, probably because I don't drink I don't know, I <laughs> or we'll smoke or we'll take drugs, sorry
3: <laughs> I so, Personally, I think the same three things that you mentioned I necessarily don't do <sighs> and they're the three things that most people around would use to be in communities with so let's meet at a pub so I'm not necessarily a pubber because I don't drink necessarily
10: yeah yeah me too so Uh, it's more the coffees um, but I will go (laughs) I hear that well
3: my landscape saying that is that like um, generally I don't go to pubs and clubs but I do love to dance and um, I like to go to. If I were to dance, it would be, so to, it will be to
6: swim. Hello, Rob.
3: How
1: are you? Hi, Gavin. Uh, uh, everyone's just going to come back from breakout rooms in a moment. This is the. Uh, this was a breakout
4: room. Oh,
8: uh-huh.
4: yeah. So. Um, no, okay. No
1: worries. How are you, t- Gavin? long did you start at? Seven. Yeah. Like, sorry to interrupt you, Andy.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. I, so my story is that like I generally go out and I'll meet people and I'll say hi and do I won't say be superficial, but like um you know, I talk to anybody, but it's it's a now thing that I'm talking to you more than let's meet each other again, unless we meet at the same place, at the same time, at the same cafe, like the song. I've been single for, for quite a long time, and I love my own company. I apologise. Okay Andy, so, sorry for you off,
1: but just to explain, we, we've, uh, the breakout rooms are, uh, are now all back, so we're, we're back in the main room. Um, I'm just going to wrap up because we're coming to nine o'clock, and I know uh, most people are going to want to leave. So sorry for interrupting you. Um, Okay, does I'm going to show you my relationship landscape, but before I do, does anyone have any comments um, or um, questions based on their discussion? Okay. All right. So I'm just going to share. share the screen. Okay, so this is the way that I envisage the um, relationship landscape. And it's basically, when you see people, they're in one of these, they're in one of these um, states. And so there's people that, so it may be that people are getting over a heartbreak. And here it's um, you know like the devastation of a breakup. Some people don't heal after a breakup, um, and so you've got a lot of people that have been hurt and they're very bitter, and so you see that a lot in dating sites. Um, and so I call that the the bitter barren lands. Um, and so then you've got the the dating doldrums. Um, which is really what um, a lot of people experience in dating. A lot of people experience, they get fed up, they get disappointed, they get into short relationships, which is the frustrating things. Um, And then someone just disappears and goes to them or it ends up not working. Um, And they sort of come back and they try dating half-heartedly and, start to get more and more despairing and sometimes they move into bitter balance. Sometimes people date and they think they've met, met someone perfect and they're delir- deliriously happy for six months um, and then it turns out to be someone controlling, someone manipulative um, and they just end up in this toxic relationship um, and um, come out uh, quite devastated. And then there's people that are in a relationship and is happy um, and then it drifts uh, maybe three, five, 10, 20 years in, it just ends up that they're someone that they share the housework duties with, someone that they share the parenting and they've lost each other and they don't really have any connection to them. It's just keeping the house running, looking after the kids without any real connection between them. So for me, it's about the relationships are about how do you get or stay in bliss bay and you can be um happy whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship um and most of us feel the pull to be be in a relationship and so it's about so it's quite easy to be um happy and single because um, there's not much complexity to it but when you or involved with someone else, then it makes it much harder because you, you it's about do you have the do you know how to make the relationship work? Do you know how to resolve the conflict? Do you have the skills to do it and the confidence to do it? So it's about so for, for me, the, the idea of the relationship landscape is here's where you really want to be, Here, here's the hazards, and then it's recognizing where you are and then finding the pathway to where you want to be. Um, Aside from explaining why my art teacher said my art was the worst he'd seen in 20 years of teaching, um, does that make any sense or any uh, resonate or mean anything to you in terms of your journey? And I think,
6: end- um, sorry. I think, sorry, I was just going to say that um, the Heartbreak Hall I think I know um, hundreds of widows, and I think in that context with grief, you don't really expect to get over it in the same way that you implied that you get, over a, you get over a heartbreak. So I don't know if it really fits in.
1: Do you mean widowhood is different, or do you mean that it's going to take longer?
6: I think that you don't get over it. <laughs> it's, not, it's just not the same. And we, we talk about this stuff a lot. Um, and even if you're in a new relationship, you still love and miss and grieve the person that's dead. That doesn't just stop, it doesn't go away. You, you, you learn to deal with it, but grief as itself doesn't just evaporate because you found somebody new. So what you, you implied that people will get over heartbreak eventually or they might not, but I just wanted to put a word in for the, the grieving widows of the world. Because people assume that you're going to get over it, and in my experience of talking to hundreds of them, that's not quite what happens in real life. I mean, I work with young widows, so it's different and it's shocking and it's awful.
5: Yeah, just to um, pass on before you say anything on that, Rob. I think um, grief is grief, and just because you don't you don't see someone because the you know the the dead, I don't think there's any difference. Than not seeing somebody because they're in a relationship, that you know you're no longer in a relationship. And I think in some ways it, it can be worse because at least you know there's a final outcome because that person's died. Whereas if you're you happen to be still in love with, with somebody and they've you know left you and had an affair or whatever, um, and they're swanning around with somebody else, that can be in in many cases more painful than when someone's died. Um, and I'm speaking from that from a professional point of view, because I have worked with a lot of people who have had partners leave, had partners cheat, partners die. Um, and from my point of view, I think grief is grief. I,
1: I think, um, obviously, I, I think grief affects people in different ways. And I can't speak to what it's like. Being a, a widow or a widower, um, and so it's it's individual. But from my perspective, I don't believe that your life has to be defined, um, and it may not be the same. It may not. Obviously, um, there's certain events that are always going to leave their mark, and I think um, whether it's a, a devastating relationship or whether it's a, a, a loss. I think it's um, an experience in life, but I, I don't think um, that it's going to. It means that you're forever stuck in that grief. You may have grief to some extent, but I don't think your your entire life is going to be um, defined by the the fact that you lost someone. I think it's going to be a. Um, I, don't, I don't think that is a barrier. To ever feeling happy again, um, but like I said, I, I've never experienced it, so I can't say from experience. But that's my belief, um, and so yeah, so that's my landscape. So uh, other than other than that, um, in terms of, and it's not like you can just move from one to another, but it's it's that there's a process. So if it's heartbreak hell, then there's a stage of grief to work through. And um, I mean, the stage of grief is quite clearly marked out by um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. But in each of them, whether it's the dating doldrums, whether it's um, whichever, there's a stage, there's a process. And there's certain things that you have to no there's certain skills that you have to have and the ability and it's the obstacle is of wherever you are whatever stage you're at is whatever process that you have to get to to get out of wherever you feel stuck at the moment or if you're confused it's it's like what's the next step where do you map the next step to so um, we, yeah, we've, we've gone over nine and, and one of the feedbacks was um, to finish um, where people knew what time they finished because we have been running on quite late. Um, so does anyone want uh, any final comments, questions? Um, if uh, anyone wants to stay on and discuss some of the topics a um, feedback in terms of meetings in general, um, ideas or uh, comments um, of how we can run these um, better than if you can if you stay on Um, if anyone's interested we'll stay on and talk about that Um, but in terms of this this topic uh, any closing comments any insights thoughts questions
6: yeah i think it's good i think it's a good a good plan i like i like the model i think it's helpful
0: thank you I just wanted to mention about the. Um, I, I was rambling on earlier about mindfulness, and there was the other chap who I think is not here anymore who was talking about it as well. But it's the parasympathetic nervous system, is what it works on. And I and I would honestly recommend typing in, like, parasympathetic nervous system into Google, like particularly mammoth if you're trying to sort of control that sort of stuff, where you're trying to stop the racing mind, because it really does kind of explain wide mindfulness can be quite helpful. I don't think it's the be all and end all of everything, but it can really help. And interestingly enough, when I actually looked it up, it's something to do with the gut as well, basically. And we were sort of talking about that at times earlier as well, so.
1: Yeah, like the vagal uh, vagus nerve, isn't it? Yeah, I Um, think in Also in that that light of that is uh, breathing exercises. And um, I would look at Wim Hof. Um, Wim Hof developed his system from, um, it was the grief of losing his wife, his, his wife committed suicide and he didn't know how to cope um, and so everything he did was from um, from that deep pain and uh, to try and find some meaning and, and gain some control over life. Um,